This is Democracy, a podcast that explores the interracial, intergenerational, and intersectional unheard voices living in the world's most influential democracy. Welcome to our new episode of This is Democracy. Uh, this week, uh, we are discussing an issue that is sadly all too relevant uh, in our lives, uh, the um, proliferation of gun violence in American society. Uh, where does it come from? Why has it grown? Why are we seeing so many of these shootings like Dayton and El Paso and others uh, that have happened in the last few days? Why Why has this become such a, a prevalent part of our society today? Uh, we have with us two of the most prominent uh, people working on this issue in creative ways uh, in the state of Texas and in the United States. Uh, first, we have Hillary Rand Whitfield. Uh, she is the state leader of the Texas chapter of Moms Demand Action for Gun Sense uh, in America. She's also a mother of of two and a resident of Austin for about 12 years. Uh, welcome, Hillary. Thank you. Thanks for having me. And we also have uh, Ed Scruggs, uh, who is the president of the board of Texas Gun Sense, which is a nonprofit uh, that works uh, in extraordinary ways around the state of Texas and works with other state partners uh, to try to uh, work toward ending the problems of gun violence uh, in our state. Uh, Ed has been a resident of Austin for actually 24 years, uh, lo- longer than most people in Austin <laughs> these days. That's right. It's almost like I'm a native. But uh, <laughs> thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it's, it. It's great to have you on here, Ed. Uh, before we we turn to uh, Hillary and Ed. Uh, we, of course, have our uh, scene-setting poem from Mr. Zachary Suri. Uh, Zachary, what's the title of your poem? So many. So many. So let's let's hear. I have grown up on gun violence like every child of post-common sense America. I have written so many poems after tragedies like every other child of post-common sense America. And I have sat in tears at so many vigils, staring with knowing eyes at every other child of post-common sense America. I have watched so many cities become synonymous with tragedy, and I have learnt my geography from mass shootings alongside every other child of post-common-sense America. And I have placed too many metaphorical rocks on too many metaphorical graves, bowing my head in respect, listening to the radio broadcast with every other child of post-common-sense America. And we are the soothsayers among the masses. We are the Cassandras of the H-E-B parking lots. We are doomed to be ignored. We are the ignored generation being gunned down in the school hallways, silently losing our lunch every time we see the headlines. And we all might as well live in Toledo because we are all mistaken for tragedy, all thought to be missing in action. But we are still here staring at the television screens with wide eyes as hollowed speech follows hollow prayer. I've written so many poems about death, about the dying. I've written so many poems about bullet holes, about the blood-soaked clothes and sobbing mothers. I've written so many poems about how I just can't stand it anymore. I've written so many poems that I just can't remember how to write one. That's very moving, Zachary. Uh, what What's your message in your poem? Well, my poem is really about um, what it's like to grow up, as I have and many of my peers have, um, with mass shootings being a part of life and how it, how in many ways it becomes... It becomes something that's like um, to everyone else is a normal part of life, but uh, we recognize it's something that's out of the ordinary, and we're trying to stop it. But um, many of us in our younger generation, we feel ignored, and we're often thought to um, to not care about these issues. But it's something that really directly affects us, and will affect even our lives right now. Mm-hmm. 
Well, I think it's a very important message. Uh, Hillary, it, it seems to me this is part of what moved you to become involved with this issue. Yeah, I need a tissue now after that poem oh, yeah. was beautiful. That was fantastic. Um, exactly. It's exactly that is the reason why I got involved. Um, I was not aware of our, you know, gun violence in America. I mean, I, you know, would watch the news the same way when tragedies would strike and and feel kind of unsure what to do. Powerless, maybe, um, is the word. And, you know, just sort of resigned to go about my business and hope that someone would change it um, until Sandy Hook happened. Mm. And that really hit home for me because, um, well, I'm from Connecticut originally, right. not too far from Newtown. So and, and I actually have friends who live there, and um, I know what that town looks like. I know how it feels to live there, and I know if twenty first graders and six educators can be gunned down in their school, there it can happen absolutely anywhere at any time. Right. right. My daughter was also in first grade at the time, so it just it just felt just too too real and too um, personal to me to not get involved right away. So I was one of those moms that found Moms Demand Action before it was even anything. But I found Shannon Watts um, had created a Facebook page. And, um, and I joined right away and started organizing in Texas um, wow. immediately. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Well, we're lucky that you're doing this. <sighs> Thanks. Well, I, um, I'm lucky to, you know, over the years, so many wonderful leaders, activists have come and, and found our organization as well. And I feel really lucky to, to work with so many passionate people. Yeah. Ed, how did you get involved with this issue? Well, uh, I had been involved in uh, some political activism along the way. In my time here in Austin, I was involved in... Uh, in efforts to win healthcare reform, I have a daughter with a genetic disorder, so it's personal to me. Um, and I was always upset or irritated, I guess you would say, by mass shootings when they happened. You had the shooting at the Aurora Movie Theater, sure. and I was thinking the other day, I was reading about it on my phone while I was standing in line at the movie theater to see the Batman movie. Oh my gosh! Oh, wow. And going into the theater really freaked out looking at, okay, where would I go? I what imagine. would I do? I'd never really done that before. Right. So that was the first hint. But then when Newtown happened, my daughter, who was in kindergarten at the time, so basically the same age as those children, was in the hospital having some minor surgery the morning that it happened. And uh, being there and then scrolling through my phone and seeing the death toll, you know, 2, 4, 10, 12, 14, I just, this can't go any higher, and it kept going higher. So it was really on par with like a 9-11 event, event to me. And uh, I was shattered by it, absolutely shattered. It was almost as if someone had died in my family. I can't really explain it. And I think what happened in the you know week, 10 days following that, a lot of folks like Hillary and myself and some other folks here in Texas, we kind of found each other online. And, you know, it was like, let's pool our resources. Let's do something and let's get together wow. and wow. do something about this. But I do have to say one thing. Your poem was beautiful. Thank you. You are the hope. I, this is why I do this, yeah. because 
that generation is going to be the one that will solve this. I have right. no doubt. We right. just have to get there. Right. And that's why we do this podcast, our generation uh, of, of millennials and Generation Z uh, citizens. Those are the people listening to us right now. That's why we're here. Uh, and I think the question that uh, I get all the time from students and people I meet when I'm traveling around the country and talking to different groups is, why does this happen in the United States? We, we don't seem like horrible people, but yet uh, we have more mass shootings in the United States and the rest of the world combined. Uh, By far. Why? What's causing this? Yeah, this uh, this is a uniquely American problem. Uh, The reason is that it's just far too easy for people who want to do harm to get their hands on a gun. Uh, For decades, the gun lobby has been very effective, silently, without anyone really noticing, at dismantling all of our gun laws. Mm -hmm. And uh, this is what has resulted. It's um, and and but the hope for me is that if this you know came about because our policies have been dismantled, our solution is that we can we can build those policies back up and get back to a place of uh, you know where we don't have to you know accept the unacceptable like right, this. Right, right. Ed, do you do you agree? Because most of most politicians and and you like Hillary work with a lot of politicians. Most politicians, or not most, many politicians, uh, will deny that. They'll say it's about mental health and that it's about video games. And uh, what's your response to that? I was that? just going to say a video game never killed anyone. And and uh, you know what you're hearing, it's just. Um, poppycock let's put it that Mm -hmm. way it's really they're just making they're just grasping at reasons everyone knows the reason any half intelligent person knows the reason is that in america if your intent is to do harm or do evil we make it easier for you Mm -hmm. now the uh you know for example with the video game argument um they play the same games we play in Japan and England and Canada and Germany and Sweden and all over the world. They have mental health issues all over the world. What's the one thing missing from those countries is a gun for every person. Right. So that that argument that they're using and that was used by the president yesterday, for example, I just sense now it's not holding water with anyone but a firm, hardcore base, and that's good. But I think when you get to the real cause of why we're here, we have a completely broken political system. Mm. It just does not work. We, we have an inability to deal with the big issues. And what you have is folks like us on the outside trying to force force the system to work mm-hmm. in a sense. Mm-hmm. And it's been really hard when we first started this. I never thought that years later we would still be here, um, but we are still here and there's more of us than ever. Um, but we just have to keep fighting for our system to be able to work. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, it's interesting is that, you know, remember when we first started, nobody wanted to talk to us. Not That's even right. really? not even progressive, you know, lawmakers. Really? They, yeah. Why not? Mm-hmm. Because it... it Gun violence prevention used to be the third rail of politics. Mm. You, nobody talked about it. Nobody wanted to touch it because the the ethos is that, you know, the NRA holds too much power. And if we speak out against what the NRA is selling, uh, you know, me, the lawmaker, I will be, you know, I'll lose my, my position. But 
it's only been six years, almost seven now, and there has been a tangible shift in that kind of of uh, culture. And, you know, we're not there yet, certainly, but, you know, we just, we saw in the last election in 2018, people running on a gun violence prevention platform yes. mm-hmm. as their number one issue right. and winning. Right. And that would, well, I never would have imagined that was possible when we first started this. That's true. So That's change true. is happening. It's happening slowly and it's happening kind of out of the limelight of national news, but um, it's a groundswell. Mm-hmm. And, and we, the more people that join us, the the more inevitable change becomes. And and what are the effective arguments in in moving uh, people? Because it does appear sometimes that there are more people who sympathize, mm-hmm. but then when it comes to making their votes in the legislature, yeah. the governor of Texas being one example, who mm-hmm. supports um, red flag laws mm-hmm. until it actually comes before the legislature and then doesn't support it, right? Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. so what what are the arguments that seem to be shifting the ground? Uh, well, I mean, with some of the lawmakers that are in office right now, I'm not sure any arguments are going to shift what <laughs> they do, but that are shifting, you know, public sentiment and, and understanding. I, you know, it's gun violence isn't inevitable. Uh, there are measures that are proven to to help reduce uh, gun deaths. There's uh, red flag laws. Right. Um, which uh, what those do is through due process, if someone is um, kind of uh, seeming to be a possible danger to themselves or others, loved ones can petition a court to um, investigate whether or not that person should be able to have the ability to purchase a gun or hold on to guns that they already own. And um, it's a very, you know, vetted process. People worry like, oh, well, my, you know, Second Amendment rights are going to be taken away by something like that. And that's not how it works in reality. Mm. It's actually a very effective way of of managing a situation temporarily to uh, to make sure that, that the person doesn't do harm to themselves or others. Um, also, closing the background check loophole. It's far too easy for someone to go and purchase a gun Um Outside of a federally licensed dealer at a at a gun show or right. now online, right. um, and and get their hands on a gun when they already are pro- prohibited from being able to purchase right. one. Um, so so those are common sense measures. And when you talk to average Americans, everybody agrees. Like, right. oh yeah, well we should be doing 90% that. Ninety percent by some. Why polls, aren't right? we doing that? But it's those politicians that still have the gun lobby, the gun manufacturers whispering in their ear that will never, not never, are, are having a very hard time uh, coming to, to, to grips with, with the reality that, that that's where we inevitably need to go. And, and Ed, on that point, what, what is it that's allowed gun manufacturers to become so powerful? I mean, there are lots of lobbying groups in the U.S., including moms, right? Mm-hmm. Why, for so long, maybe it's changing thanks to Hillary's work and others, why were the gun manufacturers able to get more ears of members of Congress and the Texas legislature than the moms who you'd think would? Well, I think um, they figured out quite a while ago, back in the 70s, when they changed from kind of a sporting safety organization into a political organization, mm-hmm. uh, they figured out how to lobby. They were well-connected. Um, And they soon figured out, um, as our laws on campaign finance reform were dismantled, 
they they figured out who to funnel the money to and how much. And so when I say they bought a certain number of representatives, I mean that's just the truth. They did. Right. And so and and you see it here in Texas still every legislative session, don't vote for that or you will have a primary opponent. And it scares Republicans half to death. So in a state like Texas, they still hold a great deal of power. But I think another thing that has also helped cement all this is the gerrymandering gerrymandering of legislative districts, especially here in Texas. So you may have, for example, a Republican representative in West Texas, and he may have a safe seat, but it's gerrymandered in a way where the people that come out to his town halls are 80% very much pro-gun rights. And these are folks that when I say pro-gun rights, that's really an underestimation. There are folks here in Texas that see the right to bear arms as a religious right, and they have actually connected it to the Bible in some ways. They believe that Jesus spoke to Thomas Jefferson and the founders and helped write the Declaration of Independence. I'm not kidding. I wish I was kidding. They come to hearings at the state capitol wearing their firearms, sometimes two or three at a time, dressed in camo. They bring machetes. They have knives. They have, you wouldn't believe it, really. You would have to be there to see it. And the representatives in those districts have, you know, they swear them to uphold their right to do all these things. And sometimes I've wondered, well, are they really intimidated or are they part of the group? I don't Mm -hmm. know. Mm -hmm. But it is very, in Texas specifically, very, very hard to get some of those folks to move. So we have a double problem. We have corruption in the system, and then we have a corrupted system at its core, which is gerrymandering. So that's why, as Hillary spoke, we have seen great movement in the populace. Mm -hmm. And in, in a system that worked, we would have had change by now. So for an example of how much shift we've had, when Hillary and I worked on a a rally that we held right after Newtown that we worked to put out on the state capitol. And we worked hard. We did everything we could. And we got 250 people to show up. And we were actually pretty happy sure. because we were told that was a good number. Um, but then last year after Parkland, we had 20,000 people wow. show up. Wow. Yeah. So that gives you an indication of how these events keep yes. happening. And it is sinking in. So I just wonder how long that wall can hold. Yes. That's holding us back. Yeah. Well, well, well and let me just say to you, you know, part of that wall, I think, is is because you know, just America in general is so divided and yes. today, and and I think what really needs to happen is that the folks who have those um, representatives who are still very entrenched against the idea of of common sense gun violence prevention measures, they need to hear from from those constituents. Yes. They need to hear from the yes. people that they yes. represent. And, and you know, while the, the numbers show, the polls show that the vast majority of Americans agree on these, these measures, a very small percentage of people actually speak out. Mm. That's true. And, and so the silent majority is, is for these changes. Right. But, the, you know, lawmakers don't want to hear from Ed and me. Right. <laughs> <laughs> they want to hear from you, the person who's right. never spoken to your your lawmaker before, um, because otherwise they assume that you don't care. Right. And I can add on that now. 
it's even more important as we've seen the events of this past week with El Paso Mm -hmm. and with Dayton, but El Paso, which was essentially a race-based terrorist attack. Yes, that's what the FBI is calling it. On Mm -hmm. our own people, I think it's the worst, most deadly attack in the modern era on Latin American people and immigrants and, and Hispanic people in the United States. It's something I can't even envision in it. It leads me back to your poem. You grew up knowing this your whole life. Hillary and I remember when this didn't happen. Right. Mm-hmm. And so that, it just crushes me that that's the world you're growing up in. But now is the time for everyone to stand up. And I think you're seeing more people. And I believe, I'm going to paraphrase Martin Luther King, basically. If you stand on the sidelines, you're as guilty mm-hmm. as the policeman with the dog or the fire hose. Right. Because if you don't get off the line and do something now. It could be you. It could be your parents. It could be your best friend. It could be your spouse. Hillary and I know too many people that this has happened to. They never thought it would be them, Mm -hmm. but it is them. Sure. And, and I, you know, unless we do something soon, we're just going to continue to see this and it will continue to amp up. And right. you're wondering how much worse can it get? I don't right. want to find out. Right. Mm-hmm. Silence has murderous consequences. And there's no mm-hmm. doubt that before 1966, mass shootings were almost unheard of in the United States. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the shooting on this campus at UT in 1966 mm-hmm. uh, is considered one of the first mass shootings in all of American history. Mm-hmm. So there's nothing genetic about Americans that makes these um, shootings inevitable. Yeah. There's something about what we've done as a society since the 1960s, yeah. right? Yeah. Well, and, and you know, mass shootings are actually a very small percentage of, of our gun violence problem. Less than 1%, right. I think, of gun deaths happen through mass shootings. And so while mass shootings are, are abhorrent and, and unconscionable, it's the daily drumbeat yes. of gun violence that that happens in our cities Often and domestic in our abuse. homes. Right. Absolutely, domestic abuse. Um, so much of it stems from domestic violence. Yeah. Um, and then there's city gun violence. I mean, there's there's so there's so much gun violence going on that doesn't get reported. Right. Mm-hmm. right. Right. It's almost impossible to cover it all. It's a hundred yeah. gun deaths a day. That's crazy. And, and I'm sorry. Go no, ahead. Go ahead. No, get it. Go I ahead. was just going to say is that is this those other deaths outside of mass shootings? Two thirds, almost two thirds of all gun deaths in the United States are suicides. So these mm-hmm. are people that are they're kind of going through their own private hell, and that's the way they're choosing um, domestic violence. Um, a woman, I believe, living in a home with a firearm in it is three to four times more likely to five be murdered. Five times, mm-hmm. keeps wow. going up. Five times more likely to be murdered. Wow. Um, we have far too many children and young people finding unsecured firearms in the yeah. home that are loaded. I think that's gone up because the number of firearms have gone sure. up. And uh, you know, Texas leads the nation in the number of children that have killed other children, almost always by accident. Um, so uh, it is pervasive at all levels of society now. And, and one thing I will say that is helping us, though, is technology and people are activated on this. So a lot of times when these things happen, we know about it. Right. We find out about it. Right. And that's another thing that's going to help. Right. Zachary? Yeah, we talked about, um, about uh, why uh, this is happening in America, but... But why is this happening now? Because we talked about how it's it's been going on for a long time, but why is it suddenly 
ramped up. I mean, we talked about the shooting that happened in the tower just just right above us, but uh, these these but these shootings have become ever more common. And, and why is that? Mm. Wow, um, I think it's a combination of things. Um, I really do believe at my core part of this has to do with uh, the changing demographics of America. I think there is a racial element of it uh, involved in it. I think we also had in the 60s, 70s, and 80s very turbulent economic times. We had a lot of people out of work. We had um, drugs and the drug trade. Um, And now I think, unfortunately, one of the things that helps us hurts us technology and the internet and 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 no established fact out there so you can have you can be the strangest oddest person around and you can find validation on the internet right. mm-hmm. and 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 it is truly just like in the El Paso case with 8chan and some of these other sites goading people yes. into doing this and mm-hmm. you remember you're a kid if your parents say you know, clean up your room, clean up your room, eventually you'll do it. Or for sometimes you give in to peer peer pressure. And I think online, some of these folks deal with this. And, and, uh, but um, yeah, again, the, the key factor though, is that in the United States, we give our people intent to do harm. We make it easy for yes. them to act out. Other mm-hmm. countries don't do that. So mm-hmm. I, that's that's the, my theory. And anyway. there's, there's no doubt, uh, just to, to put another element into this, right, that uh, President Obama's time in the White House was a time when there was a massive increase in the number of weapons purchased, sure. in particular by uh, white Americans living in particular parts of the country. Sure, um, and mm-hmm. and so there 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 is some racial element that that's hard to deny. Yes, this. and of course, mass shootings were going on even before Obama and during the Obama administration. Sure. It's just something now that's continued to ramp up, and it's just now getting particularly heinous with a lot of you know politically charged involvement in it, um, which you know it's just kind of following that dark line. Right. Mm-hmm. Hillary, your thoughts? Well, I mean, personally speaking, I I look to the fact that our Social safety nets have kind of been dismantled yes. over time. Yes. Um, our healthcare system absolutely needs, you know, complete overhaul. People aren't getting the healthcare that they need. I mean, people are desperate in a lot of right. ways, right? Um, and are not finding that the security that they need to be able to life, liberty, and pursuit of happiness. You know, they so so. So I think they are looking to the internet for validation and support, and and getting radicalized in, right, in right, some ways. So, right. um, so so mass shootings, you know, I think, and there is a maybe a copycat factor, um, a little bit. You know, people. Uh, well, I'm glad, which it makes me glad for the for the no notoriety movement, right. and and that I've yes. seen media outlets now not naming the shooter and right. not, you know, giving them that don't know, make this person glory. famous. Right. Don't, exactly. Don't. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. Well, and you've, you've both been, been uh, careful not to also comment on the elephant in the room, which is the, the presence of certain politicians who have perhaps uh, used words, mm. uh, maybe in a sloppy way or maybe intentionally to uh, encourage hatred and division in ways that maybe unintentionally or intentionally have uh, encouraged this kind of violence. Uh, certainly the words that our leaders use mm-hmm. at all levels matter. matter and, Absolutely. And, well, and I would think you mentioned sloppy. I think that's a really good definition in the Internet age. Communication has become sloppy. 
And so what politicians do is they try to find key words that ignite people yes, and, yes. and activate them. Mm-hmm. Yes, like invasion. So, like invasion, infestation, rats, you name it. And in you you find the words that he uses i mean he someone researched this or maybe it's just his intuition but it does work it gets people sure. active i i honestly don't believe that his intent was to see things like this happen but sure it's had it has had an effect there's no doubt on that it, and and you can at least make the argument that it's certainly not helping right in any sense mm-hmm. right so so what do we do about this? I mean, you, you both of you are working so hard and so creatively uh, to change the conversation. So we're not talking about rats and invasions. Yes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and so many of our listeners, I think, share Zachary's so eloquently expressed a sense of powerlessness mm-hmm. and frustration. And maybe their voices are not being heard, Hillary, because they feel it doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. How, how do we get the voices of our listeners who share your concerns to be more involved? And how can they make a difference starting today, not waiting for elections four years from now? How, sure. can, they, how can they make a difference? Sure. Well, the first thing I would say is that you don't let all of that noise discourage you. That is what... All of the things that are happening, you know, the talking heads on on TV and and we need to break through that. The individual has so much more power than they think. Mm. And and you can think of it like, you know, drops in the ocean. The ocean is created by individual drops of water. So so each person needs to realize that their voice matters and and use it to speak out and and tell their lawmakers and tell their friends their peers their their family members you know people who d- you don't think necessarily agree with you on this on this subject they certainly might you know we we talk about moms in action we we're a one issue organization we don't all agree on everything mm-hmm, mm-hmm. um but we agree on this we right. agree that america needs to do much more to protect its citizens from this daily gun violence that we're plagued with. We can do so much more. So so I would say, especially to young people, uh, you know, find your voice and use it. Uh, talk to your peers. Um, organize your peers. We actually, I'll do a plug for our Students Demand Action Group that came um, into being yes. after the Parkland shooting. Um, it's been so inspiring to see students from across the country, you know, coming together and not taking it anymore. Right. Um, so, so you, if you're interested in joining Students Demand Action, you can text the word "students" to six four four three three to find out more information about the group and to to start a group near That's you. That's great. That's so so don't don't let the don't let don't let the talking heads get you down. Okay. Um, and and this is a grassroots movement, and we you know enough pressure over enough time. Forces change. And you think it matters when people call their members of Congress? Every, t- every time. It matters every time. It's a drop in the bucket. They count those calls. Mm-hmm. And they count your emails. Mm-hmm. It's, it's so important. And even if it feels ridiculous to call every day and say the same exact thing, mm-hmm. it matters. Because folks on the other side, the, the folks that, that Ed was talking about earlier who show up to you know, hearings at the Capitol in their camo with their multiple firearms... They call every day. They sure right. do. And and they just because they're the loudest though doesn't make them right. the majority. Right. But it does in the mind of lawmakers. Very well said. I'll tell yeah. you one 
you know, I've taken to this mantra lately when, when you, how to deal with this. Three words, act, organize, vote. Mm-hmm. Act is become aware of what's going on, admit how much you don't like this, and just begin to speak out. Not You don't have to go on to a rally or on television. Just speak out with your friends, with yes. your family, etc. Yes. And it can just be, look, I don't like that. I don't appreciate there being so many guns in the home. Or, you know, I don't really think it's funny to watch violent movies or, you know, things like that. Just, so just speak out. Then organize, which is... There are now so many groups. There's Moms. There's Texas Gun Sense. There's Students Demand Action. There's a March for Our Lives. Um, become involved. Look at their pages. Look at what they do. There's a variety of things that you can do. And it really, for any personality type, if you're a person that doesn't want to march in the streets, you can make phone calls right. or you can help volunteer in some other way. And all of this networking comes together eventually. And then... You get to the election, and then that's when the one thing you absolutely must do every time in every election is vote. And my theory is that from the president of the United States on down to city council, gun violence is an issue. Every single elected official in this country can do something about it. They may not have the power to do many things, but they can do some things, and they do have a view on gun violence and how to tackle it. And part of making this a priority issue when you vote is asking them how they feel about it. Mm -hmm. Um, And believe me, I've done, I've asked local officials, um, county officials, etc., how they feel about it, and I've been surprised at some of their answers. And that kind of changed my view of whether I would vote for them. Mm -hmm. So those three things together. But ultimately, though, as I mentioned earlier, young people, you have the freedom. You have the freedom to basically speak out any way that you want. Your view is not formed. You may be influenced by your parents or your environment, but you have the independence at your age to make your own decisions and decide who you're going to be. So now is a great time to decide what you're going to stand up for. And because once you make that decision, no one's going to knock you off that. um, And you're going to be very, very strong for generations to come. That's why poems like yours, for example, are very important. That's why the March for Our Lives movement is so important. Mm -hmm. Because those are the leaders of our future. And that's how... I think we're going to get out of this trap that we're in. Mm-hmm. Zachary, is that persuasive to you? Yeah, I, th- I think young people are really uh, are really engaged on this issue because I think it's something that really affects really affects their lives. And I think part of the power of 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 the way that mass shootings are are displayed in the media is that is that everyone can connect with the people in them. Uh, everyone can imagine themselves going shopping at Walmart on a Saturday morning, but uh, it's a lot harder for people to imagine themselves in a situation with uh, individual gun violence if they don't own a gun. But I think the the power of mass shootings to to motivate us and and to create action, uh, we should take advantage of that so that we can make real change in our country. Mm-hmm. Are you optimistic? Yeah, I think there's going to be change. I think um, I think it's going to take longer than we want because I think we need we need to um, we need the older generation to step aside. And let uh, younger people come through, and, and inevitably that will happen. Yeah, 
when they die. <laughs> <laughs> I, I agree with you. I think a lot of us do need to step aside um, because we can't compete with your energy and your commitment, um, you know, some of us. Um, <laughs> but when that day comes, when we step aside, I'm very confident we're going to be in really good hands. It's just one thing you'll find when it comes to political power. Um, people hold on to it with their fingernails until their last dying yes. breath mm-hmm. sometimes. Yes. Yes. True. That's why sometimes people are far ahead of politicians and yes. where we are politically. This is an old story in American history of our political institutions changing much uh, more slowly mm-hmm. than our citizen body does. Mm-hmm. Uh, as Thomas Jefferson himself said, democracy is a tree that renews itself from generation to generation, yeah. but it takes a while for those roots to actually sprout. Mm-hmm. And uh, we're, in that, we're in that moment right now. Uh, thank you, Hillary and Ed, for sharing your knowledge, your insights, your energy, and thank you for all that you do to inspire us uh, every day. And Zachary, thank you for your uh, amazing poem and for being part of this generation that is going to change and renew our democracy. That's why we're here, and that's why this is democracy. Thank you. This podcast is produced by the Liberal Arts Development Studio and the College of Liberal Arts at the University of Texas at Austin. The music in this episode was written and recorded by Harrison Lemke, and you can find his music at harrisonlemke.com. Subscribe and stay tuned for a new episode every Thursday featuring new perspectives on democracy.